Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein and Mimi Emerald. Hi. Uh, today we are continuing in our series on how to survive through adversity. And Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, and Mimi. Uh, Peter Dr. is a Dr. coach Mimi. and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. That sounds good, Jenny. Should we shouldn't stop there, though? I don't think. Really, I thought it sounded good. That should be it. <laughs> well, just yeah. sign off now yeah. before we get in trouble. Well, when, you say, when you say exciting, <laughs> I sometimes think, well, when you're going through it, it doesn't feel is so. Is it nerve wracking? <laughs> is it? Yeah. Uh, no. It is it anxiety producing? Yes. At least yeah. that. Sometimes. Yeah. And Mimi's here today, doctor, but she hates to be called doctor. Yes, That's just Mimi. Mimi. Yes. I know Mimi. No doctors. <laughs> She's, but she is a very. Thank you. One of our favorite guests. Uh, she's a little giant. She may be physically small, but she's a giant as a woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's also, she is a, a, a psychologist. She's also a caregiver. Yes, she she's is. been a caregiver for a long time. Uh, she's written, geez, what, how many Several, books? Four? four now. I just... Books. Yeah, I just well, sent the last the, one to the editor last night. But we didn't even get ready to... Well, we better tell... Well, let's go with the third <laughs> one. I've got third some one. on it, but I'd rather hear you... you okay, but okay, just the give the name one, of the third one. The third, or the fourth one. The what? third one. Okay. The third one was the one we talked about already. That was Death Before I, and After. Put that, that's a good A Survivor's one. Guide. Death Before and After a Survivor's Guide. That's and it good. talks about everything prior to someone, a loved one passing, and thereafter. It's um, a very practical book. Super practical. Yeah. No, I just want to put because it's a, something that's useful for a lot of people. Yes. Thank you. And I it's, agree. A great per, it's a great guideline. Um, if you're not like me, who goes by the seat of your pants and goes for it, this is a nice a way real to go. resource with particularly lots of under that stress yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it is stressful it is stressful <laughs> going through it yeah. yeah but it's a nicer way to go because it can reduce at least a certain level of stress i think it's very good thank yeah. you okay yeah. what's the new book oh <laughs> okay the what new one oh we don't know <laughs> i know nothing about this one he does not this one is called lurking in the dark the reality of the times and it talks yet again about everything that nobody wants to discuss. And it brings out everything from what's going on intimately and sensually and sexually, as sexually transmitted diseases that you can contract just from kissing, all the way through the spectrum to addiction and bullying and uh, active shooters, um, uh, human trafficking. But when I was writing it, I decided I didn't want it to just be so dark and devastating. So after every chapter that discussed something that was in the shadow or something nobody wants to talk about, I put a helpful resource chapter afterwards. What's the, what, like, can you give us an example? Yeah, so like um, unhealthy coping mechanisms and addiction, the chapter right after would be healthy coping mechanisms, and resources for addiction. So, Do you have any um, you know, examples? That, like any, anything come to mind? Anything for... Okay, so if you have a family member or a teen that you suspect might be, um, you know, participating in a drug or 
um, alcohol or any kind of substance, then it gives you resources on what to look for. Is that their behavior? Um, are they, you know, disengaged now? Are they sleeping more? Are they more agitated? Um, are they getting bad grades? Are they isolating? Those are f- a few things, you know, you can look for. And then again, the next chapter will show you resources on when, where, how, and who to contact um, to help decide if, you know, you want to put them in a facility or do it at home or AA or NA, et cetera, et cetera. No, that's for sure. Very practical again. Very yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm still, I think the last book, which you didn't even really, hasn't been promoted for very long, is quite practical. Um, and now we're on a new one. I wouldn't jump too far <coughs> unless that, that other one has got a lot of uh, solid stuff to, to it. Thank you. And um, this sounds like you're covering a lot of bases, that's for sure. Yeah. <coughs> these, so. these four books were basically injected to me, into me, um, via the cosmos or whatever you want to say, source, God, whatever, but I dreamt about all four of these. Um, so I needed to get them off of my to-do list basically and then I was just telling Steve that at some point after you know my mom passes uh, and I have a little more time I wouldn't mind starting my own YouTube channel and just have a forum to where I can discuss all the books and promote all the books and have questions come in and that sounds good sounds like a good idea yeah How how is your mother she actually I took her to the doctor today um she's in a more plateaued peaceful state um her blood test came out pretty well the doctor was actually surprised the doctor called me and said um she's comfortable she's happy she's eating little bits all day long um she's not in pain does she have alzheimer's dementia no she has uh, multiple medical conditions that Mm -hmm. i'd rather not share um, but they have a lot to do with, um, you know, she's in pain a lot. Oh, um, her faculties are still there. She's very quick-witted oh, still. Oh, okay. um, but her physical is not there. She has, you know, some heart conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, are uh, you the primary? Or I'm only? the only. <laughs> I'm the, the primary, the backup, the <laughs> one and only. That's, mm. a, that's so. a rough way to go. It's yeah. yeah. a very hard way to go, yeah. 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 I do have to give a shout out real quick to my former. I like saying former rather than ex because X is so derogatory. Of what? My former boyfriend. Oh, okay. When I need a break, like this past weekend, he took care of my mom the entire weekend so I could have 48 hours just to relax and do he something. He did that for you? Oh, yeah. He's like my family. He's the only family I really... should have kept him. That's a good boyfriend. Mm. He and I love one another. That's really sweet. But we love one another enough to understand that as a couple, um, we are not. But as family and as uh, somebody who has always got your back, we are. Good friends. So we're family. He's like my core family. Very nice. Very nice. Good. Well doing a big job yeah yep. thank you, yep. mm-hmm. you anyway but let's let's shift over <laughs> to what we want so sure. to create we want to continue with what we've been talking about because it's so important we've got some very good feedback from people about who've listened to it um yes and what we've been talking about maybe La- i'm going to let yeah, you lead i'll just say that last week we covered uh our topic <coughs> last week our last podcast number 64 was uh, how to create and sustain loving relationships. What does it take to do that? 
uh, what can get in the way, and can you learn? Can you learn and grow uh, how to do this? Mm -hmm. uh, and we got done, and I had a feeling, again, that we had given so much information that it was may have been hard for people to really take it in. And, and Steve, our producer, said afterwards that he said something that was really interesting and it caught my attention, which is that when you and I are talking to someone face-to-face, we can see when they kind of look like I'm not, I've got so much here I can't take any more in. Mm -hmm. And in this venue, we don't have that. We don't know for the people listening when we have yeah. overwhelmed people with information. Or when they've been triggered. Or when they've been triggered. And we've talked about it. And you know, the thing is, the material that we're bringing up, even if it's the good stuff, is so heartfelt and got such an, in an integrity to it. Um, that that can trigger people too to yeah. memories or thoughts of when they had that or so I I agree with that and you know one of the you're right one of the elements to, that's missing here is and we and we you're right about it when we talk to people about these subjects and we're face to face we can we, or we can pick up the sensitivities we can see if something is whether it's making sense, whether we're getting through. Or overwhelming Or them. overwhelming them. And I think you're about to say, I'll, I'll just say that that is one of the things we would really love to hear is feedback. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if what we're doing is just like hitting too too much, too quickly, uh, if there are things that are, are too penetrating or too confusing, we would love your feedback. And uh, just to let you know uh, earlier than at the end, uh, you can reach us, uh, you can reach me at Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com or the Institute phone number is 707-781-3335 or if you go to any of our social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, uh, our website for the Survivor's Guide to Life.com, there are comment abilities, uh, messages. Any way you can get through to us with a question, you will have our attention. And we've been getting some very good, we get some very good feedback, very yes. touching. And I think it's not just from the Survivor's Guide's Life. We're seeing the comments come through on Instagram from our Instagram, um, short little hits. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing it from, uh, we're seeing it on Facebook. We see it um, not just Instagram. What was the other one that we we've been doing? Um, the other venue that's starting to really get it was Facebook, I think. It's Facebook, and yeah. that's another one of our staff who's on our, who who's now doing her own little uh, blog on Facebook and other. She got this very good uh, feedback input, and actually, some of my a number of my old friends from New Jersey have uh, made some beautiful comments. They actually reminded me I was never even called Peter; I was always Pete. You were Pete. They yeah. still remember. They talk about Pete. And I'm thinking I went from Pete to Peter to Doctor. Now I'm back to Peter. Now I We have people who just call you Bernstein. Bern yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're watching, they know who they are. They know who they are. <laughs> they say it very lovingly most of the time. I'm going to Bernstein. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Or, uh, yeah, or Bernstein. It is fond. It yeah. is fond. Yeah. No, they say it lovingly. Yeah. So if the audience wants to um, ask questions like, can I get more information on this specific area, then they can go ahead and do that as well when they give yes. feedback. Yes, any any way to get through if it has nothing to do with whatever post you're responding to, whatever is easiest. Wonderful. We will see it. You can even call us too. Yep. Give the phone, phone number. number. Yeah. And we would love that because then that that helps us 
dial it in and even make it more personal and yeah. helpful and encouraging, and uh, particularly during the hard times. I think we've been talking about the effects of uh, trauma, mm -hmm. and we've been talking about first responders quite a bit. And and you know what? I'm just going to say, uh, because Steve flashed his sign. That's our before producer. We, we, yes, we listen and we, to him. and we thank you for him. But before I can hear you're moving into something, how about if we take our break now Go and ahead. then come back? Go ahead. All right. Uh, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and we are joined again today by our one of our favorite guests, Mimi Emerald. And uh, at the beginning, Mimi had a chance to tell us about her books, including her most recent book. Uh, she's spoken about her, her, her third book on uh, life and, and death and everything mm -hmm. after. Okay, so uh, I was, I, I, pulled the plug on Peter for a moment to take the break, and so now I want to turn it back to you. And we were going to start talking about um, going back to the topic we did in our last podcast, which is creating and sustaining loving relationships, uh, even during hard times. What does it take, and what are the characteristics of a relationship that can sustain being loving and healing and nurturing and supportive? Well, I think it's... <laughs> Those are all good, good qualities right there. One thing I want to say today, because I want to do a little bit of dialing in, is once I get rolling, um, I, have, I have so much information and draw from so much experience, personally and clinically and whatever, that uh, sometimes I need to be slowed down. Because since I don't have the people in front of me, um, it's hard for me to dial it in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Jenny to slow me down at times and interrupt and me too. Okay. Um, I like it better. I Once I get rolling, I'm having a good time. But the thing is, I don't know if it's overwhelming other people. So I want to make sure we don't do that. And I'm going to, I am, I do want to back up. And I think one of the, the, the emphases we've put lately is on first responders. And um, we see them as another grouping of caregivers. Yes. Um, and we spoke about the first responders because on the surface, they're more what I call diamonds in the rough. They're actually, and I want to say this, they are my favorite people personally to consult with and to work with. Um, they do some incredible things. They're very highly trained. Um, and they, they follow a calling of their heart. Um, but they're, on the exteriors, they look pretty tough. We call them diamonds in the rough. Diamonds in the rough, and that's mm -hmm. the truth is that's what I am too. So, um, but inside their heart is the same as all these caregivers that we, the home caregivers, those dealing with death and dying, yeah. um, doctors, nurses, um, counselors. There's a heart. There's an empathic heart. You know, we're more open. We're more sensitive. More caring. Um, we have a tendency because of that to take on more of the energy of these very difficult situations. First responders face the most difficult, they are the ones that go first yes. in trauma. They're the ones called before anybody to rush out. And we've had personal experience with them at our institute and personally and otherwise, they're incredible people with great hearts and a lot of capability. 
Um, I love them, most of them that yeah. I know. A great so. capacity, too, because the things that they see that we do not see and that they hold space for. They what? Great capacity of what they hold space What's for. What hold space mean? means like what they see and how they integrate that into their psyche. Or don't. Or don't. Or that's what we've been, that's exactly right. Yeah. And they absorb a lot. So much. Okay. And one of the things we found in first responders, as we found working with the Navy SEALs and Marines, is, uh, and the Navy SEALs also, not everybody, but the ones we know, mm -hmm. um, were very empathic type of people. And yet they're probably like on the hierarchy of, of uh, warriors, they are the top of the line. Yeah. And yet the ones we know are very caring, very caring people. Um, but the one thing they have that I have too and I've worked on for many years is a desire to cover up our vulnerabilities and uh, to mask them to, mm -hmm. and we have armoring as uh, Wilhelm Reich used to talk about about our to cover up our vulnerabilities because inside we there's a part of us that believes it's a weakness and we learned to, we couldn't be vulnerable and you know, when you're, you're in the midst of battle and you're in the midst of dealing with horrible trauma and people's incredible needs, well, you really can't be wide open and vulnerable. You've got to be working hard and dealing mm -hmm. with what's in front of you. So we call it pushing the pause up, not the pause button, the off button. Mm -hmm. you got some work to do. That doesn't mean, though, that we're not absorbing the energy of these very difficult situations. Yeah. We all do, and particularly empathic folks do. Well, here's the problem. If you have the first responder type of armoring or people like myself or the SEALs or Marines or whatever, guess what? We cover it up, even to ourselves many times. And we don't really want to pay attention to the impact of this accumulation of this energy that we're putting out. Because it feels like it's going to be um, dangerous for us to go there. It could be. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. th th that's the part we talked about is the, that our nervous systems are geared intuitively for um, fight, flight, or, or um, freeze. In other words, in, you know, that's that stress response we talk about, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that our nervous systems give us readings when it's not a disturbed nervous system. Um, when we really, you better not be vulnerable and open. They're reading the situation that's dangerous, yada, yada. So they go, it goes on guard. It goes on re ready to fight or, f or flight, flight, flee because they sense danger of some sort, imminent yeah. danger. Yeah. Um, and that can be appropriate. But the part of a normal nervous system is when the danger is over, the trauma is over, the threat's over, that the nervous system will let go of the energy that's accumulated during that time mm -hmm. and go back to what they call normal self-regulation. That's in the ideal case. That's the perfect, well, that's what we call normal self-regulation. Right. And that's the way we should be designed, and many of us are. We're designed that way, but. But when there's been trauma, when there has been disturbances in our development, when there's been a certain kind of pain that's we've never gotten rid of, our nervous system stays locked right in that place, yep, right down to a cellular level. Yeah, yeah. conditioned that way. That's right. So one of the things that happens is um, our armoring, our self-protection stays intact even when you don't need it. Mm -hmm. It's not responsive to what's going on around us anymore. It's responsive to what's going on inside of us, mm -hmm. whether we're conscious of it or not. Well, here's the problem. When you're a first responder, when you're a caregiver, and you don't deal with that, it has a cumulative effect. That energy is building on, on top of itself. 
Yeah. And we, we're not designed to really hold it. It's, it's, a, it's not yeah. a good idea. In fact, it's a really bad idea that leads to some really serious repercussions eventually. Um, but when you're a first responder or when you're a Peter Bernstein or a Navy SEAL or a Marine or whatever, we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want, we see that part of us is that's a weakness mm -hmm. and that's, it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. So what happens is we don't know how to read anymore. We don't know how to read our own bodies. We don't even know how uh, to, to cry anymore. We don't know how to let down and unwind. We've seen plenty of first responders, plenty of the combatant type folks do a lot of drugs and alcohol, ruin their families, mm -hmm. yeah. um, cause a lot of adversarial relationships, or disconnect completely. Yes. Um, and we talked about how the divorce rate for first responders is 80%. And then this is what's happening here is someone who is this defended uh, against their own uh, stored negative emotional energy. This one, the armoring that you're talking about, that prevents intimacy and vulnerability in a loving relationship where mm -hmm. that is absolutely appropriate and Intimac necessary. That's mm -hmm. right. Intimacy is, on an intuitive level is considered threatening and dangerous yeah. because then it opens people up to what's really going on with themselves. A lot of times we've heard them go, well, we don't want to say anything because we don't want to put that on our family. And I our don't want to burden my family. How many that? times have we said, found out that wasn't what it was? They didn't want to feel what they were carrying inside themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this was a way of just cutting the whole thing off. Yeah. In the meantime, their partners become nothing more than caregivers. Yeah. Um, and the intimacy is really compromised, if not cut off completely. Um, we've seen that with post-traumatic post stress injuries. We, that's what we call it, not disorder. Yeah. Um, and we've seen the price that families pay and loved ones. We've seen health issues mm -hmm. that accumulate that get very deadly. Yeah. We've seen the lifespans of the folks who first responded 15 years less than the norm. Mm -hmm. Cancer rates are sky high. Much higher. And yes. so is suicide. And, and we've talked in past podcasts, too, about the statistics for caregivers. How many caregivers pass away before the person they're caring for? 63%. Or who get ill? Can you say that again? How many? 63%. 63 of, of older caregivers yeah. of loved ones die before their loved one. Yes. And, and and just just to add, you know, they don't these have are, to be that old. Yeah. We've heard a number of them lately in their fifties that are in their fifties. Uh, yeah. And uh, in another scale too, can can say that any kind of stress um, can affect relationships when someone is overwhelmed with financial concerns, with um, uh, job issues, with uh, children children. Yeah. The parenting issues can all add to this kind of stress that builds up walls in a relationship that's right yes yeah you know the thing about these walls is there's a lot that goes on there because something else does happen when they're you know that stuff we're not conscious of how much we're holding in all the time anymore no we can we learn to disconnect and dis dissociate from it mm -hmm. compartmentalize compartmentalize yeah. that's right and one of the things that we've seen that does happen though is what we call triggerings and when you're a caregiver or first responder the chances of being triggered are very high mm -hmm. for a number of reasons. One of them, of course, is when you're in the midst of these overpowering traumatic situations like Mimi alluded to, some of us and some first, they see things and go through things the normal folks in life will never see. No. Yes. They do it regularly. It's part of their calling. First caregivers mm -hmm. are, on the, are at the side of dying people, sick, terribly sick people, leading them to the end, taking care of them. How many people, that's not the norm. 
Mm-hmm. In fact, in our society, it's unfortunate we don't even let people know about it until it's on we top of We don't them. like to deal with death, dying, and disability. No. None of that. There's other cultures mm-hmm. that do a way better job than we do about I that one. I agree with that yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. I, completely. But what we have seen um, with, the, with uh, these folks is, number one, what we're talking about, the effect that it has on them, and it breaks us down. We come, mm-hmm. we, we're thrown back on ourselves because we can't control all these incredible situations, the energy, the intensity, the traumatic effect that it has on us, we don't have control after a while. Our intentions are good. We want to do things to whatever we can to make it easier and better mm-hmm. for these folks to, to rescue and to help them. Um, we see so much. Here's the problem. We can't always control it. In fact, more and more, the more we do this, the more you're involved, the less we're able to really, well, the more we come to grips with, we can't make everything happen for the better. No. Yeah. Okay, that throws us back on ourselves. And it kind of, st- it, it strips us down to who we really are. Yeah. And if we've got a lot of buried energy and information from old traumas that we've not dealt with that was accumulated, um, the chances of that coming up and being triggered are much greater. And that brings in the point that we've made in the past too, that, that many uh, first responders, caregivers, uh, have their own history. Mm-hmm. Almost all that, that never, yeah. present events, present experiences can trigger and bring up. Almost Correct. all. I haven't yeah. seen anybody who does this kind of work. I mean, I know that I don't know everybody, but most that I know have had trauma in their pasts, one kind or another, and it kind of opens up the, from the wounds they carry or the scars they carry. It actually opens up a sympathy, a sympathy, and empathy, a compassion that they probably wouldn't have had otherwise. But there's trauma there. Yeah. And if that hasn't healed, not just get covered over and scarred over, the chances of that getting triggered are very high. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you both for just a moment, because I think, and I've got permission now. I think this might be a good time for an example of what you're talking about. And so I'm going to give you time to maybe think of one while we take a break. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break. Smooth. Pretty smooth there. <laughs> okay. Chime in any time. Okay. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, we're here today with both Peter and Mimi. And in our last segment, uh, again, uh, overall, we're talking about how to create and sustain loving relationships. And in our last segment, we kind of focused in again on where we've been, uh, where we've kind of started lately, which is for with first responders and caregivers mm-hmm. in the intense stressful experiences that they have, how it can contribute to their uh, building up of uh, energy, negative energy that they then feel they must kind of hold in, uh, build up walls and armor so that they don't lose control of it, they don't they won't feel like they're weak or flawed or incapable of doing their job. Or sick. Or sick. They don't yeah. get sick. The other thing is uh, that those walls then interfere with their loving relationships and vulnerability and intimacy. Just before our break, uh, we were talking about how a, a stressful, traumatic experience in the present can do what we call triggering, which is to uh, stimulate 
something that has happened in the past for someone, that there's some kind of similarity, some kind of connection between what's happening right now in front of them, to them, uh, and something that happened to them in the past that is maybe not quite resolved. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to kind of mention <coughs> past as in possibly not just past as an adult, but childhood wounds. That's it is right. my personal belief that mm -hmm. nobody escapes childhood without some wounding. Um, whether it's traumatic wounding or if it's just, you know, a subtle wounding that, that they weren't, you know, witnessed or held. or mm -hmm. But that can also trigger as we get older and, and we can take those wounds into our future relationships as an adult. Uh, okay. Um, that's okay. That, that opens up some su a subject about... Um, there's things that everybody goes through in life in Correct. development. I mean, there's tough things that we go through. But those aren't necessarily the kind of things that trigger and interfere. It usually has to do with what we call complex developmental trauma. Mm -hmm. And when that stuff comes up, it is so similar mm -hmm. in some ways to the current traumatic situations that first responders and caregivers deal with. Correct. That's traumatic. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, old trauma that's similar, not the same, but similar, all of a sudden, all the energy that is there that never got, that comes up. Correct. And either they hold it in and get physically ill or go to a substance, you know, drinking and alcohol. They don't have the resilience mm -hmm. of how to have that fluidity of getting rid of that stuff and healing. Correct. We promote the healing. We help in recovery. Um, we know that, I know that, how important it is to reach a point I you know I always used to talk about I've always been a person that most of my life if I see trauma or difficulty I don't run the other way I go into it mm -hmm. and you know I've, I've done a lot of work that in those areas so I kind of identify with first responders but the one thing that um I <laughs> I know I was telling one of my friends Big Steve He's in Alabama this week. He's a nurse. He is looks like Mr. Clean. He's muscle bound guy, greatest nurse I ever saw. He is really nice. Yeah, he is a He's great amazing. guy. He's amazing. He's um, Yeah, he is. And we were talking this week, and you know, he does a lot of ER work. He's great. Mm -hmm. And I was telling him, you know, I've done not the ER work, but the psychiatric emergency work. I did a lot of training in that and work in it. But afterwards, I always had to let go. And even though I dive in and would deal with it. And I didn't even have second thoughts about it. Afterwards, though, mm -hmm. if I didn't let go physically, I'd be in trouble. And yeah. I was telling him, what I usually do is throw up and have her used to cry, too. Yeah. <laughs> he looked at me and I said, I said, I'm telling you the truth. I've been That's like that way. all my life. Yeah. yeah. And you know what I do afterwards? I put some cold water in my face and I go right back into, go right back to work. So to me, it gives me that resilience emotionally and physically yeah. to get that cathartic release get rid of that energy that's really at the hyper-aroused state that I've absorbed. And it brings me, it does bring me back to a normally self-regulating state. There's no question. Um, that's the way I deal with it. Yeah. Um, it brings back your equilibrium. What? It brings back your purging. Brings the brought cathar back your, Absolutely, yeah. the purging. Mm -hmm. That's the way and I the purge. the energy, yeah. Well, you know, people that are tough guys don't cry. They don't show the, they cover it up. But it's okay to cry. But they don't know that. Yeah. See, that's well, that's what we're saying. We're trying to let them know now that it's okay to cry. 
That's well, you can tell on that. Yes, it's absolutely a thousand percent okay to cry. Okay, if so, you're a man. So, so let me just jump in here uh-huh. and <laughs> and say that we're we're still circling around an example of triggering uh, and what. And I and I just want to say, uh, Mimi, yes, yeah. childhood issues. Uh, we make a distinction between shock trauma and developmental trauma. Absolutely. And so sometimes it's not some huge event. It's just that that over and over and over event Witnessing in childhood abuse. that is just yeah. as destructive, just as wounding. Yeah. Okay. I think that's kind of what you were Correct. talking about. Correct. Okay. But now I do. I would like to get to. Uh, something kind of a concrete image for the people listening of triggering something's happening now and all of a sudden it's not just that it's all it's something that was way back there too the reactions come up yes yeah Yeah. Uh, you're right and they don't fit the present they don't fit. that's the problem and yet it Mm -hmm. feels like it can feel like it's happening now that's what it usually does feel like like it's what happened then is happening now and the old reactions that might have fit before in the past don't fit now and that's what comes up and then all of a sudden you have a team member that becomes a liability mm-hmm. and they're not you can't count on them their reactions all of a sudden are so far out of kilter with the rest of the team we've seen that I've, I've seen that with first responders they're concerned particularly supervisor friends of mine that well if people are literally let down and they're vulnerable when I really need them like they're gonna, gonna fall apart yeah. That usually isn't the truth. What really happens is if the people don't deal with this on a personal basis, they don't get that purging or whatever it is. They don't mm-hmm. have to throw yeah. up like I do. But anyway, they don't know how to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. That, those are the folks that become a, li- a liability because all of a sudden their old reactions may be very inappropriate. There's a very Correct. good new series on TV. Uh, it's about a fire, fight, a fire department in, in uh, Texas. And Rob Lowe is. This is a Rob Lowe and and uh, Liv Tyler. Yes. Hmm. yes and there's good. yes, and he was called in after the entire fire department was blown up, in a in a in a chemical fire, and uh, there was one or two survivors, and one of the fellows is a real redneck type of Texan, but a really good firefighter, came out alive. The I think he was the only one, and he was a great firefighter beautiful wife she's one of the um what do they call them the people that are the oh uh uh they dispatcher. take the call dispatcher good stuff but what happened was he was so traumatized um that he couldn't at first of all he couldn't work then he then they brought they took him back but all of his reactions were so inappropriate for the present so this is an example of triggering okay mm-hmm. thank you okay yeah. go ahead it is um, but also, he was ruining his marriage with a woman that loves him. He wouldn't have anything to do with her. Beautiful woman. Um, he would be very angry at authority. Um, he was angry at the new chief, who was Rob Lowe in this case, and would blow up at this guy who was trying to be understanding. Um, he would have some very violent reactions to things, um, and they didn't fit in the present. But they, they've given him a chance to work things through they they made it like this team this new team realized this guy had tremendous value and they were going to work with him and what they really would run up against with him is at times he'd be so violent and so inappropriate and he would create he would say things to team members that were so provoking and hurtful um and he didn't care 
um, and uh, they they gradually have worked. They made him go get help. I'll tell you that after a while, there was a con- that he had to go get some help. This is a guy that would not accept help at all. Mm-hmm. And um, but his wife, who he loves, uh, challenged him about it. And they did. And watching how he would go to these triggerings mm-hmm. that would bring up the old pictures of losing his best friends and watching them die in these fires. In that fire that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I think one of the latest episodes, they were dealing with a chemical fire, a big chemical fire, and sure enough, mm-hmm. he was flooded with the old emotions of watching all of his best, they were family to him, yeah. all of them burned alive. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a good dramatic reproduction of what we're talking about triggering. It can also be healed. It can also be, but it takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of compassion and understanding and strength. This is a tough guy. And at times, you just couldn't let him do it. Somebody had to stand up to him, and he had to know that they were going to stop him cold if he kept this up because yeah. he was so destructive at times. Right. He barely knew he was being destructive. Afterwards, he had such remorse and guilt, mm. but he couldn't stop himself. He didn't drink. Um, he wasn't one of those. He just wasn't functioning well. There's plenty of... We've seen plenty of things like this. Yes, we have. Um, yeah. Sure we have. We go through it ourselves. Yeah. Yes. We deal with yeah. trauma all day. Yeah. Um, we have a trauma institute. We have a nonprofit. We have. We do so much. Yeah. And I can think of, you know, as they're talking, and I know you can too, because yeah. at a staff meeting she was challenged today a little bit, not harshly. Yeah, no. No, but carrying some pain. Yeah. But, and we watch our staff, by the way. We take care of our teams ourselves and it works just great well the 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 thing to remember for me about this is that you know triggering is an opportunity to look at what's happening and start to heal yeah to have to to start to gain an awareness of what's going on Uh, that's the way we do it and i think in previous podcasts we've discussed how the healing process can also be face it feel it change it well, that's the choice. You know, yes. But I'll tell you the truth. The nervous system doesn't always listen so Exactly. Well. And I think we're talking today. I won't expose too much. You stop me fun. But yeah. Jenny, is yeah. she? when she has, we have angry people that come through. Yes. And, um, I'm not talking about the ones that Peter has to turn into his old Jersey type. No, that's, no, no. That's um, different. But we have angry people come. Jenny gets scared. Yes. I mean, some of them are scary. Well, maybe yeah. that's a trigger for her. It's not Maybe. It's definitely, it yeah. And yeah. I have to take over. She's very, very capable woman. There's people I'm very effective with, but yeah. angry Mo- a lot, most. people I have trouble with. A certain yeah. kind, that's yes. right. So that's mm-hmm. another example of triggering. That is, but yeah. one of the yeah. things that we also found, too, and Jenny's also a team leader. She's the administrator. She's incredibly competent. Yes. Um, but if she's faced with a difficult thing, a decision on her team, she becomes very adaptive. Mm-hmm. And um, we had one today where we talked about how to coordinate the team better. Jenny goes bends over backwards to coordinate, and, and sometimes, and I'm, and when I hear about it, I go, "No, that's not on you. These these people have to take responsibility too. Yeah, and you have a whole team around you. You don't have to be adaptive." Mm-hmm. And she'll go to that adaptive place. What she's learning to be as a good leader can't always be adaptive. They've mm-hmm. got to kind of engage with the challenge. And go, look, this is not going to work, and what you're doing, needs, we need to work this out and compromise. Uh, instead of it all, all of a sudden, Jenny takes it all on. On herself. Does yeah. all the work, and I look at it later and go, no. Yeah, and no. these are good examples of how old 
uh, responses and behaviors are not going to manifest what you need today. So That's it's exactly learning right. how to change what old is patterns. not working exactly. in old habits yes. and learning the behaviors That's of new habits right. and yeah. leadership skills. And we all. Every place, single one yeah, of us. We monitor that every week yeah. on everybody. All our yeah. staff gets monitored, yeah. not confronted. No. No, but no. monitored because yes. everybody gets triggered. Well, I think throughout our lives, growing up in the in the expansion of life itself, I think what we may have done in our 20s and how we responded to something in our 20s is just not going to fit as we get older, and we need to expand and learn new. But that's normal development yeah. where you become an adult. That's right. And but it, it can also be development as you work through traumas. That's because your that's reactions. A, that's right. That's a different. Yeah. That would be different. Um, one would be, you know, normal twenties person when they're in their forties, better grow up already and be an adult, right? Yes. But traumatic, well, hopefully earlier well, now. Yeah. Well, the thing <laughs> is, when people have post-traumatic stress injuries, they don't. They get stunted. They're stuck right there. Exactly, and you their know, nervous systems are stuck. That's and, what we'll talk about. Yes, yeah. and unfortunately, we're stuck with a break. It's all good. Smooth, we like that. Smooth. <laughs> She's getting good at that. Comes out she yeah, has. Our, okay. our producer must right. love this. She's getting smooth. Yeah. Uh, you've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. I'm here with Peter Bernstein and Mimi Amaral. And we are uh, talking about, uh, we're really kind of deep diving into triggering uh, in our last segment today, although we are overall talking about what gets in the way of having uh, close, loving relationships and uh, the residual leftover negative energy from trauma can certainly do that and mm -hmm. triggering brings up triggering in the face of some kind of very stressful traumatic present brings up old feelings of stress and trauma that haven't been worked through uh, and that uh, can also be damaging for relationships mm -hmm. uh, we were talking about an example of the new show of the firefighters in Texas starring Rob Lowe and uh, one of the characters there who is going through PTS and how that interferes with his relationship and at the very end, we were talking about how triggering can expose old patterns of, mm -hmm. of um, yeah. they can be ones that worked for us at some point in our life, or we thought they did, and they no longer serve us. And can we learn something? Can we become aware of these patterns that have been revealed by a triggering uh, experience? And uh, these patterns may be destructive to our relationships yes. and to ourselves. Yes. What I can think, we do? I think anybody can, but it's a lot of hard work, and it has to be someone has to really want to change and work on it and face it and understand that. That's right. Yeah, they have to want to. But that's what a good relationship is about. It's not that people don't bring their own baggage from their past yeah, to a relationship. Yeah, everyone does. What a real loving relationship looks like is there is a caring selflessness. Um, when you see you could be destructive, but the person that you are with matters so much to you, and you know that you could hurt them or damage them, that it throws you back in taking responsibility, not guilt and all of that. We've seen that go haywire. But where yeah. we've seen people go, you know what, I know 
that I've been destructive, I know that I could cause pain to this person that I care about and that it's my responsibility to get the help or do whatever I have to do to make sure those patterns never come out or when they do that I do everything it takes to not put this on people, a person that I really care about and love. There's a selflessness to it. There's a responsibility, there's in it. We call it integrity. Yes. In character. That's part of loving. Yeah. We've also seen relationships where people claim, oh, I love you so much, and their patterns say, if that's love, yeah. Don't bother. Yeah. And then we were discussing on break um, that basically there are humans who manipulate and use their partner's vulnerabilities yeah. after they have opened to get what they want in a relationship or keep the relationship and toxic. <coughs> and that's not okay either. Not at all. In yeah. fact, that's the opposite of a loving relationship. Yeah. I've heard people say in the name of love that they do this and then they apologize over and over and keep doing it over and over and we always say don't bother apologizing anymore because that's a manipulation absolutely when are you going to stop yeah change behavior is the only yes and even if it's tough i mean most of the things that we deal with and the people we are and very Mm -hmm. difficult tough challenges none of us are easy but the people that i've had a loving relationship with my wife for 46 years i don't have an easy past my wife didn't but our love has been for the 46 years, very full and rich. And each of us took responsibility for never wanting to hurt the other person. Correct. And that's gone on to this day with my wife. And um, even though she's so sick and coming to the end, yes. my desire to love her and to selflessly do whatever it takes to give her comfort and safety and protection, yes. it just is, it's a continuation in fact, it's far beyond anything I ever thought I was capable of. And there's a difference between safety and security. Safety, for me personally, is where you can be with another human being and you can be completely vulnerable and transparent in that relationship and know you're still safe, that they're not going to exploit you. Exploit you. Perfect word. Security, you know, is the financial, the material, and that's totally different than safe. Feeling well, safe with another human you're being. You're right. And I'm much more down there. But it's both. Mm-hmm. But you're right. A lot of people would think of security only as material. And when you put that together with love, though. Yes. You know, to me, and I'd be glad to share this, my wife is my number one priority no matter what else I do in work and mm-hmm. what else we do at her institute. My way of giving her security is to make sure that she's comforted, she's cared for by a team of five incredible yes. angel caregivers, um, she doesn't have to worry yeah. at all in the process she's moving toward in her life. She is taken care of and she is secure, yeah. but it's with deep love mm-hmm. um, and caring. It's a different, it's a sacrificial kind of love. It's called agape love. To be honest with you, I didn't know I really ever had this capacity to this degree until I was challenged to have to do it. And it seems to come well, so naturally. But just because I, I want people to not feel overwhelmed or like I can never do that, you have worked your way here. You came. You and Lynn both came to your to your relationship from other relationships that didn't mm-hmm. go so well. Yeah, that's right. And you mm-hmm. came. Both of you committed to this one is going to work. We are going to make this yeah. one work. Well, we would do whatever it took. Both of us carried a lot of heavy baggage, though, and both of us. As individuals knew, if we didn't take do something about it, 
that we were going to damage the, this relationship too. The patterns were too in, 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 in ingrained, mm -hmm. and so were the reactions. My reactions of violence is like really intense, and I knew this is a woman I never wanted to hurt. And our children, whatever they had, stepchildren, we were, you know, we had a yes. son that was kind. Of, I never wanted to hurt them. I knew, I knew myself, and I knew that I had to get help and never let that happen and make some big changes. She also had some incredibly destructive. Um, patterns patterns yeah. from her past from her that past were very history. traumatic yeah. Yeah. and she already had ruined a family she knew it yeah and this was her chance to start over again I, sorry for interrupting I just think it's super super important and ideal to point out that there were a, there was a relationship prior to yours on both ends that didn't work and it actually helped you grow into who you were together and witness that you guys both realized that the past relationships that you had were just unhealthy and you couldn't be together, but you finally found somebody who was willing to connect with you, each other, and actually say, I need to own my own stuff and I want this relationship to work, but the past relationships didn't. Well, you're I right think that's about important. That. Well, it, it takes very, two. Well, it, it takes two, but yeah. it also takes each of the people in it. To, to own have a, their a own certain stuff. compatibility about that. That doesn't always mm -hmm. happen, but we we had been through so much and a lot yes. of serious trauma that we did. You know, each of yes. us in our own right knew this was a this was a chance that we were going to make good. And um, she never quit trying and working at it, and nor did I, and still don't. Yes. Um, we're still working at whatever it takes. To, now she does get security and love and caring. Mm -hmm. And that's all part, but it's all part of the selfless love. I mean, yeah. this isn't a time in my life that Lynn can give me anything. It's more of a time in our life if she's breathing and she's still going, that's enough. That's got to be enough. Yeah. And my gratitude for what I do have and appreciation has become so different. Mm -hmm. And I don't claim to, I was always like that. I always liked the big things, the big cars the big race cars the big horses the big vacations the big homes and ranches today it's nothing like that it's more like well, i still like nice cars but it's it's more like if she's really if she can say a few words or she's breathing and i can comfort her at night um but she's she's comfortable that that makes my day yes and if i get up in the morning and she's relatively awake that starts my day and if I can read to her a little bit and pray with her a little bit and hold her hand a little bit, that's the beginning of a good day for me. She can't yes. give me anything else. In fact, she gives me. She can't help it. She's moving further and further away. But you know, we we're talking about triggerings, mm -hmm. and I've been a caregiver. I've been a psychologist and psychotherapist. Today, I'm not. Today, I see myself as a consultant and a mentor, a life coach, and a trainer. And I like that much better. Um, but you know what? I've been helping people a long time. Yes. And um, one of the things that I see is this situation that I'm involved with, Lynn. I mean, my primary priority, no matter what else I do at work, no matter what else projects that we have, we have plenty of them. She's number one. And I want to make sure that we, I can do anything I can to make her life better at this stage. I have been told by hospice. I've been told by other doctors. No one's ever seen the kind of teams put, we put together, the kind of care that they've never seen anybody do what we're doing. That includes all of us, mm -hmm. including Jenny. She's the head of all the caregivers. But you know what? 
part of me always feels like if there's just something else I could do. And you know what they always say? No one could do more than you're doing. You're yeah. doing more. You're doing so much. We've never seen anybody even do this much. Well, part of me mm-hmm. is that's a leftover from my past yeah. that I never could do enough. Yeah. So that comes up, and it's not just in my head. It's viscerally at times. Yeah. It just breaks my heart that I can't so figure that's out. A trigger for you. That's the that's, that's a trigger. That's the trigger yeah. for you. Can yes. I do enough? Am I doing enough? I'm not doing enough. Well. But the, we talked. You talked earlier about a nervous system, mm-hmm. and what's behind really that is not just my, my unconscious mind working. There's something in me that is from my past that has to do with a completion mm-hmm. that never got done. Needs from my past that never got done. What was it? A kid needing love, needing acknowledgement that I didn't get, um, needing love and kindness that I didn't get. So what's left is this unfinished part of me that wants that to finish that wants to get to that place of peace that wants to get to that place of normal self-regulation in that area that's what's a driving force to a lot of my behaviors and thinking it it in some ways it's not necessary because i do everything i can now but that drive is very strong that's one of the things we see with people now that's not a destructive pattern other than i'm hard on myself but we see plenty of people that get triggered and do these things, and you got to ask themselves, why do they keep causing negative reactions in relationships? Why do they keep reacting the way they do? What is it mm-hmm. that they're? Mm-hmm. What do they keep these patterns up for? It's a, it's it is a form of reenactment. In other words, that unfinished need mm-hmm. that never got met when they were younger is unfinished in their nervous system, and that energy is still locked yeah. in our nervous systems intuitively. Just that's the drive to get completion. Yeah. And that's what makes people do things and act like ways that they shouldn't. Yeah. And we've seen them act very destructively in relationships. And until acknowledging it, really acknowledging it, and then recalibrating the nervous system and working through that, it's going to continue. It's a lot of work. Oh, it is. And And it's worth it. To be aware of it is one part. Yeah. But if you don't get to the level of getting that energy discharged and back to self-regulation, we've seen too many people who have the best intentions in the world. They're triggered. They go right back. Yeah. So we realize you got to deal with the body. You got to deal with that energy. And we always, that's very important. That's more of that purging type of thing, but ours is more of a trauma recovery expertise. And, we, and unfortunately, we are out of time. You're kidding. Wow. I know. It just flies by. Wow. Thank you guys so much for having me on again. You're I appreciate welcome. it. You're I really welcome. enjoy being with well, both of you. We're glad to have you. And Steve. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mimi, the name of your book number three again? Uh, Death Before and After. Yeah, good. A Survivor's Guide. A Survivor's Guide. And it's just the logistics of before a loved one passes away and then what you need to do afterwards. That was very Strongly good. recommend. Very practical. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Uh, The Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations from people like you. If our podcast has benefited you or someone you care about, please consider donating to us, to them, at www.sctraumatreatment.org. We're also on social media. We are the Survivor's Guide to Life.com. Facebook, Instagram, website. We're all over the place. Yep. You YouTube. Are. YouTube. Thank you, Steve. Well, These are all televised. And again, we would love your feedback. 
jenny at bernsteininstitute.com or 707-781-3335 or any place you can find it. Put a comment through to us. You will have our attention. Thank you for joining us. Thank you again. Keep coming back. Yeah, I hope this has been helpful today. Yeah.